time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Thursday, July 9th, 2020. We have a real special guest today, Eddie Drain. He is a cancer survivor. He got leukemia when he was nine years old, and in four short years, he was cancer-free. I had the opportunity to coach him at that time when he was in seventh and eighth grade. Uh, just a tremendous story of, of uh, fighting through adversity. Uh, just very inspiring. He's a great, great young man. He's a teacher now. He coaches uh, some sports as well in the, in the youth program, coaches some high school football. He's just a special guy from a special family, uh, the Drain family. His father was the athletic director at Rio Hondo Prep for many years. He coached me. He coached many young men, had tremendous impact on them. Uh, Eddie's oldest brother, Devin Drain, was my teammate. We grew up together, playing against each other, of course, but then became teammates in uh, high school. And I do want to wish Devin Drain a belated birthday. It was yesterday on July 8th. So uh, he's another year older. I know that makes him uh, just happy. And I love embarrassing him every chance I get. So I thought I would share that with everybody today who didn't wish him a happy birthday yesterday. Uh, Just because I know he's listening today to his brother on the program. Uh, there's another uh, uh, Drain brother, another Drain son in uh, Dave Drain, and he's he's kind of the life of the party. Uh, we'll eventually get him on as well. Had an opportunity to coach Dave. Uh, just a great family, great people. Uh, Mrs. Drain, the, the Drain daughter, uh, just great people, tremendous people to be around. And uh, yeah, it's it's great talking about them. And there's plenty to talk about today with the about the Drain family here uh, with uh, some recent news that I will let Eddie talk about as we get into it with our interview. Uh, a few thoughts this morning. Uh, you guys ever have a bad day and at the end of it, you just don't know why. Sometimes you have a bad day and you're like, oh, yeah, it was because of this. It was because of that, this moment, this situation. But sometimes like towards the end of the day, you're just like, man, I don't, I don't feel great. Like the, the day just didn't go well. And it could just be the the monotonousness to it, the the everydayness to some days, and how they're just kind of the same, and and you know I don't know, uh, but there's also days where you just have this tremendous joy. Maybe it's a sense of accomplishment, and again, I'm a very visual guy. I need to see a checklist. I need to check off things and be like, man, I accomplished all the things I set out today, or just a couple of things because uh, sometimes setting goals, you got to be realistic in a, the amount of goals you set. I know during this pandemic, this quarantine, I've set various goals and some days there are only a few and some days there's a lot and we don't always get to those things. But I think in balancing ourselves and during this whole quarantine, it's really been eye-opening for a lot of different reasons. And I think a lot of people have done a lot of self-reflection. You got to look at yourself at all times. Uh, I am assuming and, and hoping that people have prayed more. People have maybe asked for direction because for a lot of people, this year 2020 has just been absolutely miserable. Uh, Whether uh, it's uh, people we've lost, it's the lockdown itself, just all the things that are going on, the the, uh, 
incredible division that's going on out there that, uh, you know, America is divided. Uh, some will say as much as it ever has been. I, I don't necessarily believe that. I think that uh, people are pretty mad right now about a lot of different things. But you know what? I, I think, uh, you know, I, I I hope for the best in all of all of this and all of us. And I think we're going to rally. I talked on it a few shows ago and how first six months, uh, you know, January through June, we're not pretty. And I really hope we can be a second half team here and uh, get things moving forward now that we are in July and we're cruising right along. We're almost uh, to, you know, the middle of summer, which is hard to believe. And I just, I don't know, sometimes it's easy to get down. It really is. I mean, I, I know that many times throughout my day, throughout my week, uh, I don't think it's just sitting around. I just think it's it's that we have more time on our hands to think about our faults, to think about uh, the things we want to do and hope to do. So I think some of it is good. Sometimes the the reflection and thinking is a good thing. Um, it's important to get out and about, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out walking or uh, running errands or, or cleaning the house, whatever you're doing. And I know everyone's tired of cleaning their house. They're tired of doing laps around their neighborhood. They're tired of uh, the same news on every single day. The, the no sports being on, the seeing the same faces. You want to see new people. I know everyone's tired of that. Hopefully no one's tired of this podcast, but uh, <laughs> I just think, you know, we're going to have good days and bad days. And I don't want to speak in cliches all day, uh, you know, all week and, and all year. But but I do think that when we have a bad day and we kind of don't know why it was a bad day, we can maybe search for the answers all we want. But sometimes days are just bad. I try to stay very positive. I want to be very positive. I want to have a lot more good days than I do bad days. But one of my favorite quotes is control what you can control. And I think there's some truth to that. I can't control what the day is going to bring me, but I can control what uh, or how I respond to it necessarily and, and my attitude towards it. We have been hit with this ridiculous year, 2020. I mean, it's going to be easy to remember for the numbers that it is, but it's going to be a lot easier to remember for all the crazy things that have happened. And there's been crazy years before, crazy moments, weird, uh, divisive, uh, violent things that have happened in the 90s and the uh, the early 2000s and all these different times where we have had bad days and we've known why and also had bad days that we don't know why. And I think sometimes our hearts are just very heavy and I'm not trying to sit here and preach to everybody, but uh, I, I am venting a little bit of my own frustrations, my own thoughts. It's been an opportunity to do that. As I say that often in this this show, I don't know how long Get Home Safe podcast will go, but I'm glad and blessed with the opportunity to do this and speak with other people, sometimes speak my mind. Sometimes people give me opinions and, and I don't know quite how to respond to them. I, I want to respond respectfully uh, and you know with the right mindset and try to respond, re, re, reply smartly, you know, with a, a put things in good contest. I don't just want to misspeak. Uh, much like news reporting in this race to put news out there and report news. Sometimes it's not reported accurately. Well, I want to be the same way. I, I, I get carried away sometimes on the podcast by just start rambling and talk really fast and say, uh, and you know, and, uh, uh, and all these different things. And, you know, sometimes you got to just slow down, slow your life down 
reflect on what's in front of you, uh, what is uh, down the road, uh, and and reflect on on what's been behind. You know what has motivate what motivates you now because of what what's happened behind you, what's happened in you know in in your past. And I think that those are things that really help in times when when you get a little down. But you know what? At the end of the day, and and at the end of the day is the best time to move on, <laughs> get some sleep, and uh, you know awake for the next day. I think that's really what uh, all we can do. Uh, I know that for me, that's what I do. I like turning the page. I I like physically taking a calendar off a wall and putting up a new one. I like all those significant moments that are are just these minuscule uh, things we do, maybe. But for me, I really like the visual side of things and seeing and uh, experiencing. Uh, the, the, the daily fight that we all go through, whether we're just going through the motions of uh, our normal lives or we're struggling right now in a, in a lockdown where people aren't working as much or we're suffering and we're fighting. You know, I, I think uh, every day we check off, every day we get through, I'm hoping that it is a daily improvement and maybe it's not. I've talked yesterday about people being negative all the time and how how much that can wear on you. And so we choose to be around people we want to be around. Uh, but at the same time, you know what? Time heals all things. I, I I hope I hope that time is the great great equalizer, and that with time, that uh, some of this adversity we have all gone through the past few months, that uh, we can overcome. And there'll be plenty of people that, that want to focus on the negative, but I'm really going to make a conscious effort here to focus on positive things and to move forward because who wants to sit around and be negative, right? You have a bad day? Well, don't dwell on it. Tomorrow, There's a new one tomorrow. That's the nice part. That's why I love baseball. I love that there's another game tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I've missed baseball the past few months, but that's the beauty of it is that you play a lot of games. You play every day almost at uh, different levels, different stories, but – it's every day. All right. And that's part of the grind of it too. And that's, it's very symbolic of life. Just, all right, let's go do it again. Let's go do it again. Well, I want to tell you about uh, Eddie Drain, all the things I just said, he symbolizes all those things and just having a lot of bad days, but getting through them and having a positive vibe. Uh, he has great parents that helped him get through it. He had some really great friends. I really think you'll like this story that he's going to tell. Many of you who listen to this program already know his story. You already know about uh, his great strength and fighting through adversity and uh, taking something, taking the biggest challenge of his life and having to fight it when he's nine years old. And uh, for those around him to have to go through that with him, um, it, it was a tough time as well. I will say I was a junior in high school. I, me and uh, Devin, as I mentioned, were classmates when Eddie was diagnosed. And uh, a very tough time because our coach was uh, Eddie and Devin's dad. And, you know, I will say that during all that time, uh, Mr. Drain was still the amazing leader that he's always been. And uh, Devin, as, you know, the oldest child of the family, uh, he, he had great strength as well. And I know that... Uh, being teammates with him and also playing for Mr. Drain, who was going through uh, the burden uh, with, with Eddie being sick. Uh, it, it, it wasn't easy for those guys, for anyone involved, for the entire Drain family, for the friends of Eddie, for everybody. But you know what? They fought through it. And, and not always, uh, not always, you know, this 
big theatrical uh, approach or anything. It was just this, the daily grind, the daily grind of showing up every day and, and carrying yourself accordingly. So that's something I'll always remember and some thoughts that come to mind in, in talking about Eddie Drain's story here uh, coming up here in a couple minutes. I just think um, I don't think people realize how crazy that time was. I mean, it was 2001, almost 20 years ago, and it still feels like yesterday. So I, I could not be more happy with where Eddie is these days, where Ed, Mr. Ed Drain, uh, the young man he's become. And I just think it is a tremendous uh, example from his parents and from the great friends that he had during this awful time of his life. But uh, Ed Drain is just someone that's going to inspire you. And even if you've heard this story, uh, you know, a hundred times or witnessed it, I think you can appreciate this. I know I did. It was a, it was a, just an honor to talk with him and share a lot of laughs, uh, making light of a, a serious situation. Even I know some of his family members, uh, did a good job of that. So you will enjoy this, uh, this interview with Ed, Ed Drain. Just, uh, I never know what to call him Ed or Eddie. I knew him as Eddie, but also Ed, like, so either way, Ed Drain, a tremendous warrior. We will uh, get to his interview in a second here. We'll take a quick break and then be right at it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with Ed Drain. Okay, joining us today is Ed Drain. Ed Drain is a cancer survivor. He was diagnosed with leukemia in 2001. Uh, he was cleared cancer-free in 2005. We'll, we'll touch on all of that. Uh, he was the young, well, let's see, the, one of the younger brothers of a classmate of mine, uh, Devin Drain. So we were all pulling for Ed uh, when that happened. Uh, you know, his dad was our basketball coach, our football coach as well. So it was all kind of this big connection to the family. And then uh, I also had the privilege to coach Ed when he was in junior high, his seventh and eighth grade days. He's currently a teacher a third grade teacher that is at Pearl Prep, which is the elementary school affiliated with Rio Hondo Prep. He coaches uh, sixth grade boys in sports. He also is an assistant on the uh, varsity football team. Uh, his dad, Mr. Drain, is the athletic director. Was like as I mentioned, our former coach. There's a lot to talk about, a lot of different connections. So we'll get right to it. Ed Drain, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, thanks for having me on. This is a this is a privilege. <laughs> well, I'm happy to hear it, Ed. Uh, have you had an opportunity to listen to many of the podcasts? I have listened to a few. So I listened to my brothers, um, obviously, Devin. I listened to Bill, Bill Ritters, because I, you know, <laughs> your your class, you you guys were you guys were the like the heroes to me. So I I listened to Bill. Bill was one of those guys I I loved uh, being around. He was he was crazy. Then I listened to Nick. Obviously, uh, Nick Preciado, because I went to school with him. So I've heard a couple. Uh, PC, you had Paul Clark on here. He's always awesome <laughs> to talk to. So, yeah. Well, well, very nice, Ed. Well, we, we appreciate, I appreciate those kind words. Is You know, it's been so long since I've gotten, uh, you know, to play ball with those guys, but we had a lot of friendships that continue these days. And, uh, yeah, it's just been fun talking to Devin or Bill. Uh, Going to have Jordan Ross on the program soon. Just uh, friends that uh, you play ball with, and all of a sudden that ends, and you're like, oh, man, well, we put all this work in, spent all this time together. Well, what do we do now? And 
we all go about our lives, but we're still friendship uh, friends forever. And I'm sure you can relate, obviously, going through the same program. Uh, <laughs> so you, you, uh, I know Devin was the oldest of the Drain Kids, and uh, you know, I know you guys looked up to him as well, as far as the uh, the athlete he was. So it had to be fun watching your oldest brother uh, play sports at Rio, right? Yeah, that was. Um... That was awesome. I, I, I always, you know, growing up, I, Devin was the, the player I wanted to be, you know, because it, it wasn't just like, you know, De- your older brothers playing high school sports, but, you know, especially basketball, you know, my family's a basketball family at heart. Um, you know, it's watching Devin out there and then all the people talking about Devin. And I just remember going to games and, you know, he when he'd pull up for a three, it's like everyone was holding their breath, and then it's like it, it'd go in, and then you know the pavilion would get crazy. So it's <laughs> like you know that kind of stuff was awesome. So yeah, basketball for sure. <laughs> Watching him was was a dream come true. <laughs> Personally, you know, with all of Devin's three pointers, I think it was all those uh, those wonderful screens that were set in, uh, for him. That got him open, you know. Those those are the forgotten people out there. No, just I'm just kidding. But Devin was an incredible <laughs> shooter. <laughs> I remember you specifically on the floor more than you were on your feet <laughs> on the basketball court. I just it was it was Devin shooting, Matt on the floor somewhere, and then Bill had these knockdown little floaters when he'd get into the lane. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, oh, you were you were money from the uh, fifteen feet on the baseline. That was your shot, from what I remember. You were you were automatic. It was basically Matt Hersma from the baseline, <laughs> fifteen feet away, is basically a layup. Just give it to him. Oh man, I I don't know if that's true, Ed. I don't remember too many too many fifteen footers. Uh, uh, but hey, I, I I believe you. Yeah, I just try to occasionally contribute with a layup here and there and then usually get into fight with someone under the basket and Devin was always open so yeah you know he, he get all the glory and all that no 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 I'm not, I'll, I'll keep... <laughs> a lot of fun playing with Devin uh he was a guy that was just he was good in all sports um but but we remember like uh the Drain family it was an interesting situation because Mr. Drain was the head coach he was Devin's dad uh obviously your guys's dad and and you know Mr. Drain uh, I know everyone was excited, like as Devin was coming up, and, and I'm sure you guys as well. You know, what's that going to be like with uh, you know our dad coaching and Devin playing? And it was a great experience. I still tease Devin because he never called him Mr. Drain, he never called him Dad, uh, Coach, or anything. It was always like, Hey, uh, hey, hey. You know, he's just like, <laughs> and he always knew to to respond. And they they had that connection. So so it was fun, man. Those are good times. I can't believe it's been 17 years. Uh, but, but at that time, Ed, we were in high school, you know, was, uh, 2001, as you told me off the air when, you know, you were diagnosed with leukemia. And I remember we were just about ready to get into, we were playing, uh, football varsity at the time. And, you know, we, we felt for our teammate Devin and our coach, I mean, having a, uh, fourth grader, I believe, uh, yep. when you were diagnosed, I mean, having a teammate and a dad and a coach, who their their brother and their son was going through this was a was a moment I'll never forget. Um, 
we I thought we came together as a team uh, a little bit there, just knowing that, hey, there's bigger things than, than sports out there. So what can you tell me, Ed, about, you know, that whole process? What did just one day you didn't feel well? I mean, I, it's it seems so long ago, um, but I know it was a tough time in your life. And uh, wh- what can you uh, tell us about that experience? Well, uh, well, first off, uh, you guys – yeah, that was. I remember watching the 2001 Joshua Springs game, and so as far as you guys coming together as a team, it sure you guys, you know, that was that was a great game overtime. So, um, but as far as how it all came to be, I don't really know. I know in the summer leading up to the school year, uh, I had been like sick. I like my jaw hurt, and I don't know if this has any connection to anything. But my mom was like, oh, you just got a canker sore, you know, um, but it hurt for a long time. And um, the first day of school, you know, I went to school um, like normal. And I just remember the only thing I re- I personally remember is like uh, I was playing handball and I was like, dude, I got to take a break. I'm tired. And it's like as a third grader, you're like, what what third grader needs to take a break from playing handball because they're tired, you know? And then uh, Mark Carson, who was like kind of the uh, adult on duty at the time, uh, he would always play, uh, you know, two-hand touch football with us at lunch. Uh, He told the office, um, hey, you know, Ed, Ed's looking really pale. He's not, he doesn't seem like his usual self today. So uh, I went into the office. Um, They recommend, they called my mom, recommended I go get a blood test. So uh, this is all the first day of school. Um, I went in, got the blood test, and uh, we were, while we were sitting waiting for the results, uh, doctor came out and said, you got to take your son to City of Hope. Still hadn't said anything, just, you know, you got to take him to City of Hope. So uh, I go over to City of Hope. Um, the doctor's there. They kind of tell my mom, you know, he has leukemia. They kind of try to tell me what it is, but you know, fourth grader, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm just like, why, why am I going from doctor's office to doctor's office? And then uh, they admit me, and then the following morning, I had a bone marrow procedure, just to check and see if I was going to need a transplant or anything like that. And then, uh, yeah, I was first day of school, sent me to the hospital, and then I ended up staying in the hospital for two, two weeks after that, before I was officially released the first time out back into my house. So a wild wow. day of school, fourth grade, for sure. <laughs> oh man. And, and I mean, that's gotta be, I'm sure, I don't know, you were a kid, right? So you may not have even known about all these things and really what cancer was at the time, I'm assuming, but it had to be a scary time for your parents. And uh, I know that, that they were probably, you know, fearing the worst with all this. I mean, for you going there, did you have any idea what, what, the, what you were possibly in for? Or are you just kind of like your typical third, third grade self, just like, oh, yeah, we're going somewhere else today? Or were you feeling worse? I mean, what was it like for you? I think, um, you know, at City of Hope, when we got to City of Hope, and they told my mom, you know, my mom's not one who's great at hiding her emotions. So I knew uh, she started crying. And then I kind of knew it was serious. But um, 
you know, people, yeah, people ask me like, what did you feel? What did you feel like? And I was like, I mean, I was like, dude, how am I going to go play sports? That's all I cared about. <laughs> As a fourth grade, you know, I think the first thing I asked my doctors was, you know, can I play football? Cause it was football season. And, you know, they, they kind of had to tell me, you know, you're not going to be playing football because of, you know, you have cancer. And, you know, so I think when I saw my mom, I knew it was serious. My dad, you know, he's he's pretty stone cold. Uh, he can and he, you know, he was always at, he for sure never made me feel like I was in trouble about, you know, like, oh, man, you might die in this. It was always he was always super positive, always the uh, voice of reason, I guess you could say. But, uh, yeah, it was it was uh, I don't really remember what I was feeling. I knew I got a lot of IVs put into me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. Well, it was uh, I, I think Mr. Drain, one thing about him is is, you know, he is a leader. He's he's led young man a long time and he's put in that situation where his son has leukemia. I, I, I can, I, I, I remember his, uh, you know, how Harry carried himself and our, our thoughts and prayers were, were on everyone, you know, for Devin and Mr. Drain, but Mr. Drain went about his business. And like you said, uh, being kind of that stone faced kind of just voice of reason, I could totally see that in him because someone needed to be, have that presence, right. To make the situation, uh, uh, as good as it could be for you. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that leadership, uh, really, uh, help the whole situation. And, and of course the outpouring of support that you got is just something I will always remember. I mean, shave, shave your head for Ed. That was <laughs> flyers everywhere. Uh, I didn't do that. Although I was cutting my hair pretty short. We all hey, were, but hey, all your teammates cutting your hair. <laughs> Devin didn't cut his hair either. He said, you know, back in high school, he had that wave going. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. He, he didn't cut his hair either, but uh, he shaves his head now. So I'm like, what? I was yes. dying and you couldn't shave your head, but now that's, that's your go-to haircut. What is what is this? <laughs> but uh, I tell you, that's funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the shave your head for Ed stuff. Um, again, you know, as a as a fourth grader, I I think the magnitude of the situation. I, I never understood. You know, I was just a fourth grader, and my and I don't think my friends really understood it either except the fact that they knew so like the first time I went home uh you know my friends hadn't seen me in a long time and you know I was a thinner kid uh when I got sick and then they put me on this medication and you know I started you know to get chubby and stuff and I remember Jimmy Davis I think it was the first time he saw me uh, it was the first time we did shave your head for Ed at my house. He walks in and he goes, whoa, Ed, your cheeks are huge. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I mean, I just laughed. I didn't, you know, but the shave your head for Ed came about because uh, my best friend, JT, you know, JT. Yeah, um, JT Parker. So they had told me, you know, this, this chemo is going to cause your hair to fall out. And uh, it was it was the weirdest thing. I'd wake up, you know, and you know how people you like to run your hands through your hair. Well, I'd run my hands through my hair, and then I'd have a handful of hair in my hand after I did it. It just oh. it just come out that easy. 
And um, so JT was like, look, I, and I think it's just, you know, your childhood friends, when you have real friends that they just, I don't know. He was fourth grade too. There's no way he was thinking about the, this bigger reason or anything, but he was just like, you know, I don't want my friend to feel different. So we thought, mm-hmm. let's, let's shave, let everyone shave their, if he's going to be bald, everyone should be bald. And that's kind of how the shave your head for Ed thing started. It was just JT and Wes, you know, I think Wes Mosier was also in on it, but that's how, that's how it started. And we actually had to do it twice. Um, but yeah, it was really, it was really cool. The support was, was amazing. And I don't, you know, there were just, I just, I could talk about experiences all day with cancer. Um, but I know I have a couple memories. It's like, you, you know, when you start that chemo, it basically is just restarting your whole body kind of thing. Cause they, they got to clear everything out and just basically give you a, a restart. And I just remember, you know, at the beginning, my body was so weak. I think I, you know, I'd, if I ever, if I fell down, there were a couple times when I'd fall down and I just sit there because I physically couldn't pick myself up off the ground. Someone had to come get me. So it was like that, that I think is what really, that hurt me as a kid. Cause it's like, you see all your other friends running around doing stuff. And I'm like, dude, I could barely walk. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I mean, you're nine years old when this happens, Ed. And, um, you know, was it September of 2001 where, where, uh, everything happened you were saying? Yeah. So basically September, I think it was like September 4th was the first day of school. And then, so I'm in the hospital and I wake up, um, I wake up and on the TV, nine eleven's happening. And I'm just, mm. you know, I'm like, so I'm like, this is, cr- what's going on? I, I, again, I didn't really understand uh, what was going on with nine eleven, but uh, you know, now as I look back on it, I'm like, man, that's, that's, that's crazy that it all happened at that time. And then like, yeah, a week later, uh, my mom's dad, my grandpa died, uh, in his house. It was the month of September was just brutal for like, the drain family, you know, and then also the country too, nine eleven. So it's it just bad. Uh, you know, it's not as bad as 2020, but, uh, you know, 2001 <laughs> wasn't, wasn't, uh, anything great either. <laughs> yeah. It's uh man. I, and again, I come back to it cause we were playing ball at the time. And, you know, I remember you Ed, being there and, and, you know, being out in front of your house, kind of sitting out there cause, uh, watching games with your, your mom. And, uh, it just, I can't imagine having this moment anytime in your life, but specifically when you're nine years old, when you're not supposed to have a care in the world, you're supposed to just be running around with your friends and doing all these things. And then you're hit with this big moment in your life. So uh, it, it had to be, uh, I don't know, you seem to have had a great outlook about it all just because you kind of didn't know, I guess, any better or didn't really uh, take it, uh, you know, think overthink it, I should say. Well, I think, I mean, I think, I think, and uh, after I was done, all this they had me come back and they ask you you know what helped you and i think just looking back on it it's like i had so much support that it's like i didn't even know i didn't have time to think about mm-hmm. anything negative 
You know, it was like my friends, you know, I think a big worry for kids, you know, or kids, you know, they don't want to feel different. You know, I didn't want to feel different, and I, but I knew that, you know, I couldn't do stuff. But my friends, did, they were there for me the entire time. They didn't treat me any differently. I had, you know, parents of my friends. I remember you guys. Uh, I remember you guys bringing me an, a signed football from the whole team. And I, I think I still have that at my house. But it's just like, I don't think I was allowed to think of any. Like, there's so much support and things happening that my mind never got that far. Well, that's incredible to hear that because, uh, you know, I, I don't know much about this situation and, uh, you know, we were educated pretty quick as, as young men, but you see it out there. I mean, there's, there's thousands of kids who this stuff happens to and adults as well. And I think that is a good lesson that, uh, constant positivity around you, uh, really does make a difference, uh, in one way or another. And, and those are some of the best stories and things I see on you know, whether it be ESPN or just some other network or a movie, you know, it's like you do see that. So I can totally understand that that was something that was beneficial for you. Uh, one thing I was just so impressed about as as you were a young man was that not too long after being, you know, diagnosed with this, you were playing sports. You were getting right back out there and playing playing ball. I don't know how much you played as a fourth grader, but I know when you were a fifth grader that you were out there playing. Yeah. I mean, so my doctor was, I think she, my mom always says she, she understood how much sports meant to me. So it was like, I don't remember. Yeah. Fourth grade. I don't think I played any football. I think I did play basketball and baseball. Though. Did we lose yet? We lost you. Well, are you there? Hello, yeah. hello. Yeah. Okay, there you are. So you you did you did play a little basketball and baseball. So yeah, I think my fourth grade year, I did play a little basketball and baseball. Um, they let me do that. Um, it was it was tough though. I'll tell you. Um, I remember fourth fourth grade specifically, because um, uh, I pitched and JT uh, caught for me. But then when JT pitched, I, I was the catcher. And I remember, dude, that fourth grade year, I could not get out. If JT didn't throw the ball to my glove, the ball was getting by me, and I, I was not getting up to get it. It might as well, JT might have just ran to home plate and picked up the ball for me. <laughs> I'm sure base runners were just running, running around <laughs> the bases. You know how the coaches, the coaches, you know, and pass ball at home plate and they're sending them home? Shoot. I could have dropped a strike and they could have sent their kid home and he would have scored. <laughs> but, uh, oh man. but yeah, fifth grade, um, I said, I, I didn't want to sit out of anything. So they, they let me kick because you know, uh, at care, you know, you don't really rush the kicker. You kind of, you get your time to hold the ball and then you get to kick it. So I, Bill, I remember Bill Ritter cause he was, uh, the highest, the varsity kicker. He would practice with me one-on-one, -on -one, and he taught me how to kick field goals. So uh, during my fifth and sixth grade year, uh, I kicked field goals for the team. That was because I was the only – I couldn't do anything contact because I had this, um, I had this uh, IV in my chest, and if it got, like, ruptured, it would, like uh, – I'd have internal bleeding. 
F- funny story, actually. <laughs> um, I had this uh, thing called a Hickman. It was a tube that came out of my chest and it ran to like my heart. So it's how they took blood and gave you all your chemo. But uh, while this is my fourth grade year, you know, I was playing catch out front and I like pulled that thing out of my chest a little bit. And the doctors were like, well, this isn't going to work. Let's get him one that goes inside his body. This kid's clearly too active. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> wow, Ed. <laughs> so, yeah, I was just outside playing. And then I came inside and I was all, because my mom had to clean it so it didn't get infected. And she's all, wow, this, isn't, uh, this doesn't look right. And they took me in. They were like, yeah, your son almost uh, pulled this thing out of his chest. We'll give him another one. They had this other one that went under the skin, and that's the one I had most of the time. But, but yeah. Wow. Wow. I don't mean to – I mean, it's a serious situation, but, man, I, I could just see you. Yeah, you're like, oh, I, don't, I don't need this. I'm playing catch. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can laugh all you want now because I'm still alive. So that, that's, what, <laughs> that's what my brother, my brother always says. But, yeah, that fifth grade year, um, we played the Cardinals – I heard uh, Nick's pot uh, when you were talking to Nick mm-hmm. and uh, that basketball game. And, uh, you know, I don't know what Nick's complaining about. Okay. The Cardinals won every year of football. <laughs> I don't think they lost a game ever in football. I don't think they lost. I think they were undefeated three years in a row in, in football, then basketball. And then uh, the game before the championship game, they put up over, they put up 107 points. In a in a game that has running clock. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, fifth grade basketball! I got to tell you, Ed. I told I told Nick this that I was see that's that's good information. I forgot that they put up over a hundred points, uh, which is in, almost impossible to do. Uh, but yeah, I actually I refed all the games those days, but I refed that championship game and. I, I joked with Nick, and I'll tell you straight up. I mean, it was the biggest upset in, in Care Youth League history, to my knowledge. I mean, that team, uh, they killed everyone, and they were just loaded. And you guys went in there. And, Eddie, people don't understand. <laughs> you. It's not like you were uh, leukemia-free at the time, right? When you were in fifth grade, you, you were playing in that game with your buddy JT and Wes Mosier and all those guys. I don't know how you guys did it, but you beat that team that you <laughs> – that uh, if you guys played a hundred times, they probably would have beat you at least ninety. Yeah, by a hundred points, probably too. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know what to say. That that game was crazy. I I do remember a couple nights before. You know, how people people always say this stuff, but uh, I had a dream that we won, and I was like, dude, we can do this. And then uh, you know, <laughs> came to the we came to the game, and it was kind of overcast afternoon. And I remember specifically Ify, uh, who was like the Cardinals. He was the stud. You know, he, he played for the uh, – he got drafted by the Bears, I think, the Chicago Bears. But um, <laughs> he was a stud. And I just remember him. He came to the game, and he was like in a sweatshirt, and he was like shivering. And I was like, dude, it's too cold. He can't handle, he can't handle cold weather. Uh, <laughs> we got this. Plus, you know, um, the rules back then – definitely uh favored a cancer man who couldn't move very fast you know they had that that two three defense where the where the only one guard could be on a side so if you found that yeah and then the forward couldn't come up too high so you just find that little that perfect little little hole on the wing where no one could guard you 
uh, fast enough and you just, you just pop. And because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, nowadays, because I coach fifth graders now, we play, you know, you can play any defense you want. And I'm like, well, if the Cardinals were playing a man-to-man defense, I think the game, no one would have scored on them. They, they threw, <laughs> the first time we played them that year, I promise, they threw an oop from half court. And Ify caught it in the air, laid it in, and slapped the backboard. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember, you know, working the game, and I was just like, this is – I mean, I know we're talking fifth-grade basketball here. Yeah. But – Still, it was one of the craziest things I had ever seen because as a varsity player at the time, uh, you know, our dream was to beat uh, a team that had pretty much won CIF uh, every year in the small schools division, and that was Price. They were out of L.A., um, you know, whatever whatever you want to say about them. They were very good, and our dream as juniors and seniors uh, was to beat them at least, you know, one time, and – I remember you told I, I don't know if you told your dad or you told Devin uh, if one if Devin was giving you a hard time or whatever. But basically, the story goes: you told one of them that hey, if we beat the Cardinals in our fifth grade basketball championship game, then uh, you guys ha- you guys got to beat Price uh, at some point in the playoffs. And I remember Mr. Drain told us that, and we were like. Okay, you're right. I mean, that was one of the biggest upsets ever. Maybe we can do it. And unfortunately, we never got an opportunity. Uh, we, we had a couple tough losses in playoff games uh, before we got to face them. So that dream was crushed. But I remember being motivated even more, Ed, when you guys pulled that upset because of uh, Devin and Mr. Drain, what they were telling us about it. Yeah, well, I probably told Devin that because Devin – I probably told him that among other things. It was probably a little bit different, like uh, – we're going to beat these guys. You better beat them. And it, um, But I remember, yeah, Devin was actually our assistant coach when I was a, a third and fourth grader, and we lost to the Cardinals both those years. And then the year Devin uh, moved on, we made a little coaching change uh, is the year we got the dub. So I don't know what to say about that, <laughs> but um, uh, we got the dub when, when Devin was gone. But uh, also, I don't – I've never told – I've told a few people this about that game. There was a point in that game, Matt, where I for sure thought that I had fouled out, that I had five fouls. I, you called a foul on me. I think you and Arthur Tashkison were the referees. But you called a foul on me, and I remember I walked straight to the sideline, and I was all, Mr. Martin, because Steve Martin was our coach. I was all, dude, that's my fifth foul. And he said – he. He said, he said, no, that's only four. Get back in there. And I still don't know to this day if I had four or five fouls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All Controversy. I, I love it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know much about the game specifically, but I remember refereeing the game. And as it was getting down to the wire, being like, there's no way this is happening. And then, of course, what you told Devin, uh, you know, Mr. Drain, told us that whole thing. So just, uh, just fun memories uh, for sure. But I, yeah, I can honestly say that was a, I've seen a lot of games. I've seen a lot of upsets and I know it's fifth grade basketball guys, but it was still one of the most 
uh, crazy things I've ever seen in my life and being a small part of it. Uh, <laughs> well, Ed, after you're, uh, you know, going out on top there in your, your youth sports days, you went into junior high and, uh, you know, you, you were in the Real Hondo Prep junior high department. And I had an opportunity actually to be your coach at that time. And, and that was a lot of fun for me uh, working with you guys because you guys were a special group. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, seventh grade year, uh, around basketball season, they, like, can't, I was cancer-free, chemo was all done. Um, yeah, they, they gave me a little medal. City of Hope gave me a little medal that said uh, Survivor on it. So, uh, yeah, I was officially done December of that year, my seventh grade year. Wow. That's awesome stuff, man. Now, that just had to be such a such a relief and such a I mean, at that point did you knew did you know that you know what you had accomplished, what you had kind of gone through that you had beaten cancer? Uh, I mean I don't know how much I feel like I really did <laughs> to, you know, uh but I knew I knew how just based on other people's reactions, like how crazy it was to them. Cause I, my mom didn't tell me this till I graduated high school, but there was a, like a, a secret funeral fund that parents had been putting money into um, because I was, you know, the leukemia I had was high risk, you know, um, and they, there was legit thinking that I wasn't going to make it. So I had, I mean, lucky for me because, you know, my mom gave me all that money when I graduated high school, but, um, (laughs) that's awesome, man. Yeah. I think based on responses, it was like, okay, yeah, that was crazy. That, that had to be a hard time just for your, your, your parents, your mom specifically, just, I mean, no mother should have to carry that burden. Uh, your dad either, your siblings. I mean, they, I, I just can't imagine what it was for them. I mean, you just talked about a, a funeral fund for you. I don't even know how you keep yourself together in that situation. So you got to just be incredibly grateful, Ed, for, for your parents. Uh, just looking back now during that time, it, it's just, just uh, being there for you every step of the way. Yeah. I mean, my dad, I mean, my mom took me to every single appointment that when, you know, when I wasn't in the hospital, she took me every single appointment. She has a big old notebook of like all three years. And then my, my dad actually, because uh, he would sleep with me in the hospital. And they didn't, you know, it's not like it is now um, over there. They, they had made this new building where they have, you know, cots and bunks and stuff for uh, the parents there. Um, my dad just slept in a chair most nights. And he was there more nights that you know i mean i had other people come in and stay with me you know like tim lunny uh stayed with me a lot uh bill lee you know jeff fairly there are a lot of guys that stayed there but my dad was there most every night and so i can't even imagine yeah he'd wake up and he'd go do his regular job and then every night he'd have to come to the hospital and he slept in a chair so it's like yeah it's crazy and I, and I can't speak for, for every, you know, one who played for him, but I know that the times we were playing for him, you know, specifically those years, Oh, one through Oh three. I mean, you, you never saw him every time he came to practice or he came to games, he was very, he was just focused on the task at hand. You almost didn't 
didn't remember that he had a child who was going through this just because he was very strong. He was very, you know, he was a leader to all of us young men. And, and, you know, I just, I can't imagine going out there and coaching high school kids when you have someone else, uh, you know, at the city of hope, your own son there. And so everything, but just, I mean, both your parents, just incredible people, Ed. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's kind of funny. Um, when we, when I got to high school, my dad gave a club meeting and he, and he walked in and he had this huge staff with him. And then from, from then on out, you know, everyone in my class, they called him Moses as a nickname. And it's like, <laughs> dude, it's so appropriate. Cause just the amount of people that he, you know, was a leader to over the years. It's, so it, it was fun. It's funny, you know, but it's like, it's pretty appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. He's, he's done so much for so many young men and, uh, you know, I know it was fun for him to, to coach you guys. I, I, I'm assuming it was fun for all you guys to play for him. Uh, before we get into high school, Ed, what, what were your junior high years like? I mean, you, you're uh, turning into a teenager. You got all this cancer behind you now. I mean, life had to be just great, right, in your seventh and eighth grade years. And then you had to deal with, with Coach Matt, of all people, uh, you know, uh, all, all the different things we got into and everything. So what were your junior high years like? I mean, junior high, junior high was probably a forgetful time for me. You actually were like the bright spot for me. Whoa. Know, um, well, you know, I was never a football player. I, I'll say it. People, you know, at Real Hondo Prep, if you're not a football player, you're not a, you're not a cool guy. But um, I was, <laughs> you know, I was, I was never in the football. I tried so hard for you, Matt, to to to, to want to hit people. But it's just, <laughs> You know, I, I mean, I just – it was never in me that way. But, I mean, I love the sport. I just – as long as I don't have to play it, you know. But um, <laughs> but uh, I remember being on your team for basketball because Todd <laughs> – I love Todd. But Todd had this um, – he had this thing where he, he, he called it the fast, the fast guys. But he called it the pressing team. He didn't call it the fast <laughs> and the slow guys. We have a pressing team, and then we have uh, everybody else. So I was on the everybody else team and uh, that the everybody else went to Matt and that I remember playing, you know, Mayfield and playing with you was awesome uh, for you because you, you were, you were just, you were kind of like one of us. I mean, you were definitely our leader and our coach, but it's like, we could, re- we related, you related to us like very well. So it's like, everything was always fun when we hung out with Matt. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and then um, baseball specifically. I remember hearing stories, you know, from when I was in sixth grade. It's like, oh, watch out when you get to junior high with Matt Hersema. Uh, You know, you have a practice where all you do is you stand in the box and he throws the ball at you to make you tough. You got to learn how to take a. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember you too. It was like one random day. You were all, all right, boys. Tomorrow's the day I'm going to hit you with the ball. <laughs> I, was, I was like, no. And I remember trying to dodge it, and you were just you were just beaming. It was like there was no escaping. He was pegging you with the ball, and you would say, look, I, the, if you try to avoid it, I only throw it harder. No. <laughs> Do not say I said those things. Oh, my goodness. That's what you said. And I was like, but I mean – we never thought it like, dude, Matt hates us. He's throwing the ball. It, we legitimately, we legitimately were like, 
the dude wants us, you know, it's important when you stand into that batter's box, you can't be afraid of the pitch. (laughs) You know, this is such a crazy way to teach it. You know, you have to stand there and I'm going to peg you, but (laughs) I would, I probably will get in trouble for that now, but I probably should have got in more trouble for it then. Yeah. It was a educational tool. Hey, get in there. It's, it's just for safety reasons. Got to learn how to take a pitch. Got to take one off the arm, right? I know there's been coaches around the country who've gotten in trouble for that. And you know what? I'm surprised Todd let me do it, first of all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, no ill will at all it, for anybody. It was just uh, trying to get a little bit better because uh, I know I struggled with that. I struggled as a kid being in the batter's box and being afraid of the ball and, you know, uh, uh, the, the funny part is when I got into high school, I still couldn't hit very well. I just tried to get hit by the pitch, honestly. And, and so I would, <laughs> oh my goodness. No, Ed. Oh man. We might have to delete this part. I don't no, know. <laughs> dude. Hey, that was, that was great though. I look back on that and I'm like, man, yeah, you probably get in trouble now. Cause like you weren't even using the soft touch balls. You had those just regular baseballs, you know, now, you know, now people are like, Oh, I'll just hit you with the tennis ball. So you can get used to it. Nope regulation baseball i'm gonna suck it at you (laughs) well i never threw very hard i I, come on i was a very soft-armed guy oh man yeah i I guarantee you someone's gonna call me up and be like hey you did that what was your oh your thing was it's only eight ounces five ounces five ounces yeah five ounces i couldn't remember five ounces yeah you're like it's just five ounces but i mean (laughs) it helps I think or eight, eight, yeah, maybe it was eight. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> it, it, it helps. And then, so yeah, and then I have one distinct non-sports related junior high memory with you, though. Uh, oh no. So, <laughs> well, I remember. Remember, we go to those Fullerton games and the perch, uh, and then those guys would go, "Hey, baby," and they talk like yeah. that. And you, you would do it too. Um, but I remember. Uh, you know, I rode on the City of Hope float in the Rose Parade. And I remember because uh, the junior high guys, uh, you got you, you and Todd would take the junior high guys out to sell candy in the grandstands. So uh, I remember riding by the grandstands and I'm waving, you know, doing my thing. And all of a sudden I hear, that away, Eddie. And I look <laughs> and then there's, you're standing there at the bottom of the grandstands like waving at me and stuff. And I was like, dude, that's my coach. <laughs> I told all the other patients that were on the float. I was like, that's my coach over there. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, that's a, that's interesting. I hadn't remembered that Ed, but that's, that's a, I do now. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I saw you on the float. I was like, this is what, come on, this is great. Cancer survivor, uh, Ed out there on the, par- uh, the parade float and the, Rose Parade, I mean, yeah, like, oh, you know, and I don't like uh, making a scene in front of especially a lot of people there. But I was like, oh, man, I got to I got to let it out here. Way to go, Ed. This is awesome, man. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. It was it was it was great. I mean, that I I have a newfound respect for all people who ride in the do stuff in the Rose Parade, because that is it's taxing to be constantly (laughs) waving and smiling (laughs) and like all this stuff but yeah that all that made it worth it because you know i was i had no i didn't know anyone who was like people are just random people are cheering because it's city of hope and (laughs) you know all of a sudden there's coach matt 
and I <laughs> heard you distinctly out I, the voice. Oh man, that's 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 a great memory, man. I oh, thank you for sharing that. That's it. That is so cool. Uh, it was it was, a, it was a privilege to do that, Ed. That was a fun memory for myself because I, after going and selling all those uh, candy at all those rose parades, I I, I grew up kind of liking the rose parade, but then we would go sell candy every single rose parade, and I just got tired of it. I can't even watch a rose parade <laughs> on TV these days because I'm just like, oh no, I don't want anything to do with that that rose parade anymore. Uh, but anyway, that was yeah. definitely a a fond rose parade memory that uh, I will take with me a long time. Um, do you remember too my eighth grade year in uh, baseball? You remember? Uh, I- Cross, the crosswalk, First Avenue, for Idiot Christian, when I didn't use the crosswalk. Oh, no, what do you what? remember when I got hit by a car? Oh, oh yeah, you remember that? Oh my goodness, yeah. I was like, man, this guy can't catch a break. Dude. What? Oh, dude, you're right. Yeah. Oh, that was all my fault, though. <laughs> That was oh like my goodness. Arcadia Christian. We had just finished the game and like the bus was across the street and Todd Todd yells, Hey, make sure you use the crosswalk. You know, I looked and I, you know, I was standing next to the Wileys, uh, Jason Wiley uh, right by their car. And it, I just like, I was like, I'm not using the crosswalk. And I just darted out into the street with the, with the bucket of baseballs. Cause I, the, I was the ball guy. And yeah, I just got I got hit, and it's funny. Uh, most of the guys are like, most of the guys are all, yeah, we were in the bus, and that's great. You got hit by a car, Ed. But guess who had to pick up all the baseballs that were rolling down the street? <laughs> Todd made us go pick them up. <laughs> oh man, I yeah, man, again, you're refreshing my memory here. But yeah, you got hit by a car. I was like. No way this is happening right now. Did, did you have any uh, big injuries from that? I'm trying to remember what, so what happened after that. I had a tib-fib break. So both oh. below the knee broke. Um, and then, I, yeah, I rehabbed the rest of the year and the summer. And then I missed football my freshman year. And then I, I played uh, basketball uh, my freshman year. But, yeah, it took – Oh, it was a long recovery. I just remember too. Uh, Devin was coaching Dave at the time uh, in sixth grade, and they got a call. They called him, and they were, they called Devin. They were like, "Hey, Ed just got hit by a car," and then oh, and then uh, Dave, uh, sorry, Ed just got hit by a car. Mom's going to meet him, and then Dave's response is, "Well, then who's cooking dinner?" Oh. <laughs> but you know Dave. Dave, was, Dave was in sixth grade you know so I, you know he's just but yeah he, Dave, that's what Dave tells me he, he credits that he goes yeah so who's cooking dinner <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that was the last uh, uh, Dave uh, Dave comments that you remember just uh, making light of a, a serious situation right oh yeah I mean obviously you know it's all fun in games now but it, he'll so I got a couple. I'm trying to remember. I know one for my wedding. There was one we talked about before, and I'm trying to remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Was it about chemo or oh, yeah. fighting cancer? Dave, or anything? Dave's, Dave's favorite thing to say to me 
favorite thing now. He goes, he goes, Ed, you know, let's just be honest about the situation. You didn't beat anything. The doctors beat cancer in your body for you. Okay. <laughs> and, I'm just, and I'm like, thanks, bro. Thanks a lot, bro. Wow. I mean, I didn't even think about that whole situation. It probably was terrible for Dave because <laughs> he had to share a room with me and all this stuff. But I mean, yeah. And then at my wedding, at my wedding, uh, this one was hilarious because he spoke, uh, he gave a toast and he was talking about it and he brought up that fifth grade Cardinal game. And it, my doctors are all there um, at my at the reception, and part of his speech he goes, "So yeah, Ed likes to talk about the, his fifth grade game against the Cardinals, and uh, I don't know what it is, but every time he talks about it, he seems to score more points, <laughs> um, and it just gets better. But we all know the real truth: the other coach on the other team was telling his guys at every time out." Don't guard the kid with cancer. This could be the last game he ever plays. Wow. And then my wow. doctors were just busting up. It was it was so funny because it's like you never you don't even know that could be true. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, dude, oh man. You know, you laugh about this stuff now. It's been uh what almost 20 years and such, but yeah. uh 15 or so. But man, I it, I, that, no, that, that's a serious, very serious situation. It is, and, uh, it's very serious. <laughs> and it's, um, and I know people, I'm not trying to make light of anything. This is just, you know, how me and my brother are, you know, you know. Oh, sure. But, sure. Yeah. So, yeah. What are brothers for, you know? What what are brothers for, right? That's exactly how the brother relationship is, if, if everyone's being honest. Yeah, for sure. You just, you know, you poke fun at each other. You know, he knows it, it doesn't bug me. I mean, my doctors were laughing too, so it's you know. <laughs> but, but yeah, so yeah, I I seventh grade declared healed. Eighth grade, I got hit by a car. I was like, wow. But the car was definitely my fault. But yeah, I'm surprised you, <laughs> you remember that. I'm, I'm no, I I it's one of those things you remember, but you don't like. I, I don't know. I didn't think about it much. I was. I remember specifically was you getting, uh, yeah, out of cancer and everything. And, and then all, yeah, I do remember it now. I mean, it's like, oh yeah. And then right away <laughs> he gets hit by a car and, you know, again, we're chuckling now, but it's like, what in the world is going to happen to this guy? I mean, what's next, right? You go into high school and you're like, okay, well, something else bad's going to happen at some point here. And, uh, I don't, at least to my knowledge, I don't think anything severe happened uh, in your high school years, right? It was pretty, pretty good run. Well, I must, yeah, I must have. So legend has it uh, when I was young, like third grade growing up, I was a pretty mean and nasty kid, right? So uh, my parents said they prayed that my attitude would change and then I got cancer, right? So. So that helped my attitude a little bit, but then I got healed and my attitude must not have been all the way to where, uh, you know, the Lord wanted it. So he had to give me one more thing, one more setback to really, you know, get it into my head. Hey, you got to be humble and all this. So, uh, so yeah, high school, uh, high school, no issues. 
Man, well, that's that is uh, great news. Uh, rolled right through, graduated in, in 2010. Uh, you're a proud member of the uh, fraternity of CIF football champions, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll say this, Ed, we all get out of high school and we don't quite know what we're going to do. At least uh, I would say most of us don't. You go to college, you do what you got to do. And uh, you get through it. And then at some point, you got to be like, uh, well, what do I do now? And uh, honestly, if I'm being honest, I, I'm still trying to figure some of that stuff out, despite all the other kind of things and different paths I've taken. But what was that whole thing like for you in college? Uh, I mentioned at the top of the show that you're a teacher now. Did you know you were going to be in teaching? Did you have other ideas what you wanted to do as an adult? Uh, take us through that uh, in your college years and how you eventually landed being a teacher. Well, so so no, so to answer uh, the question out outright, no, I had no plan on being a teacher. Um, college, uh, when I first started college, it was rough. You know, um, one of the great things about Real Hondo Prep is that you know those teachers that they, they really care about you, and they if you ever get out of line, they'll bring you back. You know, so I was used to that. And then when I went to college, it was like, dude, the teachers, they don't, I mean, they're just there to do their job. They're not there. They don't know you personally mm -hmm. and, and they're not looking out for you. So I, my first two years of college, I, I rarely went to class. I had multiple F's. I think my GPA was 1.81 or something after, after my first two years at Citrus. Um, you know, I would, I would, I would just. I wouldn't go to class at all. I'd, I'd go to school and then I was like, why am I in class? The teacher doesn't even care if I'm here. And then I'd go to the driving range and work on my work on my sport <laughs> game, you know? <laughs> but, uh, but then, you know, cause I was in RHLA too. And, um, uh, Mr. Horton, who was the, the le leader of RHLA guys at that time, he's like, what are you doing, man? He's like, you know, you got to pass school. And I was like, that's a good point. <laughs> I should probably figure this out. So then from then on, um, I kind of wanted to go. I didn't really know what to do. And I knew I liked sports, but I mean, you, you're not, you don't really want to, uh, you're not going to really get a degree and a good job necessarily if you major in like PE or something. So I was kind of trying to figure out, then I knew I had, you know, I, I didn't have I had, you know, the cancer background, so I was kind of interested in medicine and stuff, but I knew I didn't want to be a doctor. There was, there was no way that was ever going to happen. So, uh, I was kind of into athletic training. Um, so I kind of started going into the kinesiology route and then it grew into my uncle, uh, Mike McGarren. It be a physical therapist. Oh, sorry, we lost you for a second. You're back now. Uh, you said your uncle Mike McGarren does what now? Sorry, so my uncle, uh, he yeah, he's a physical therapist. Mm -hmm. So that was like, okay, physical therapy, you know, it has to, you know, you rehab. You, it's a lot of rehab, sports injuries. It's also a lot of working with the elderly on like, you know, knee replacements and things like that. And that kind of interested me. So I started going into exercise science. Um, so I transferred from Citrus to Cal State LA and I, you know, I majored in exercise and bioscience with the plan of becoming a physical therapist. 
Um, so um, I did not apply because I had to. T- you have to take a test. You have to take the GRE. So I didn't apply my first year out of college, but I got married that year, and I realized I had no money. So um, the third grade and Mrs. Moore, who's the principal, you know, at uh, at Pearl. I had been I had taught PE at Pearl before. I, I I love working with children. It's like it's one of the greatest things ever working with children. And um so they were like, There's no third grade teacher. And they asked me, you know, are you is this something you'd be interested in? And I was like, Well, I love working with kids. I don't know how great of a teacher I'd be, but uh I needed a job. <laughs> And I was like, you know what? Let's go for it. Um, year one was last uh, 2019 or 2018, 2019 was year, my first year teaching. And, you know, it was rough, but it was, you know, Mrs. Moore really helped me out and we made it through the year. Um, it was and I really enjoyed it. I didn't think I would. I didn't think I would enjoy it, um, uh, but it was good. The summer, this last summer, I did. In, I have applied to some physical therapy schools because you know I still think that could be an avenue for me. So I, even you, you know, I don't. I'm I'm teaching and I love it, but I don't know if it's what I'm want to do forever, you know, kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I. I I kind of just was asked about it. I, you know, I prayed about it. And uh, Bill Lee, uh, Major Major Lee, you had him on. I, I talked to him, and he was like, "Look, he's all, he's all. You know, uh, God is the uh, is the best at hitting a moving target." And I was like, "Oh, I love that. That's I fantastic." Like, I was like, I, "I was like, what does that mean?" He's all, "Well, you know, you may not know what you want to do, but." Do something and God, if not, if it's not what you're supposed to do, God will move you to something else because he's the best at hitting a moving target. Just don't be, don't be stationary. And I was like, all right. So I said yes to the teaching job. Um, Just finished my second year. I'm loving it. Um, I haven't heard back from any PT schools because of the COVID stuff. So uh, we'll just, I'm just, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, sometimes that's all we can do, Ed, is just, you know, is waiting back. And uh, sometimes you got to be, uh, you got to stay busy. And other times I, I'm a, you got to, you got to really, you know, get after it. And uh, sometimes you got to just uh, take a breath as well. I, I'm someone that when I have kind of downtime, I, I get, you know, I put a lot of stress on myself and I'm like, I'm almost like, wait, what's next? I got to do something next. And, and so I love that moving target analogy from, from uh, Bill Lee there. That's fantastic. And, you know, uh, th- yeah, there is a time when you just, you know what, try a bunch of different things and, and see what lands, see what sticks. So I think there's a lot of uncertainty, 
today with COVID-19 and all the other things going on in the country. So I'm sure whatever you end up doing, whatever God has in, in store for you, uh, you're going to do great at. Uh, you have a ton of life experience already. Uh, you had to grow up really fast with the situation you you had. So, um, yeah, it sounds like you're doing great things with teaching and you, you enjoy it. So who knows? Uh, stick with it and, and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely I didn't think I was going to like it, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I'm I just I'm just picturing myself. You know, it's like teaching and I, just, I don't see myself. I didn't see myself, but man, I, I do love it. It's, it's it's very rewarding and the kids are just the kids are phenomenal i love working with the children it's 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 great so yeah we'll we'll see what happens i mean i'm i'm planning on year 3 next year and uh so yeah it's awesome Great stuff. Absolutely great stuff. Well, I had your brother Devin on here a long time ago, many months ago, one of our early guests. We talked a lot about memory lane and all the different things uh, we've gone into. But one thing he mentioned to me was that uh, your, your sister Tawny uh, at, the, at the time needed a liver transplant. She needed uh, surgery done. And, uh, you know, that was a few months ago, actually. And uh, I know that uh, you have some updated information for us uh, on your sister, Tani. Uh, if you would be willing to share it with us, that'd be great. Yeah. So um, I think when you were talking to Devin, she was still looking for a donor. Um, and we thought, I mean, to my knowledge, I, I thought they weren't testing anybody because of COVID. And I was, I thought everything was at a standstill, but then uh, a couple weeks ago, um, Tawny texts our family and she's like, all right, we have a donor. The surgery is June 17th. And then we were like, what? And then she ended up telling us that the donor was uh, Kim Parker, who's a uh, Mr. Joe Parker's wife, um, the mother of my best friend, JT. And I was just like, what is going on? It's like, it's like who of all people, you know, it's like my best friend's mom, you know, my Mr. Parker was, I think my dad's best man in his wedding. So it's like our, our families have been tied together, you know, for so long. And then wow. Mrs. Parker ends up being the one who is going to donate. So her liver. So basically the procedure happened June 17th. They, uh, they took two thirds of Mrs. Parker's liver. And they put it into Tawny. So Mrs. Parker's liver, uh, it, it grows back over time. So she's she's rehabbing right now. She's at home. Mrs. Parker, she's doing well. I actually saw her the other day. Um, and then, uh, so Tawny, yeah, she was in there. I think she went in to surgery like at 8 a.m. And she came out like at 11, 11.30 p.m. So it was like a 14-hour surgery. Um, then they, they kept her, um, you know, uh, for a week and she actually, they let her go home, uh, over this last weekend. So that is definitely, uh, we're definitely super happy that everything is, is, is working right now. The liver's doing fine. Um, the biggest, I think the biggest concern is, you know, anytime you, you do a transplant, uh, the body, you know, treats that new organ as a, as a threat. So she's, Tani's, you know, just on a lot of medication, making sure that her body uh, is accepting the new liver. 
And then she's also, you know, in a lot of pain. So, uh, you know, they had to open her up and she was down for a while. So she's actually, um, she's at home and uh, she is on 24 hour watch. So this, uh, like my mom, you know, my mom, Matt. So, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the nurses or the doctors told her pre-surgery, you know, uh, we can only send her home if you're going to have her, she has to be under 24 hour supervision. And so they suggested, you know, in-home nurse so that, you know, you could do that. And my mom was like, no, we're not doing no in-home nurse. I got five kids. I got my husband. Um, we can watch her 24 seven. And I'm like, wow, that's such classic mom. Classic <laughs> mom right there. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, if, if your last name's Drain or you're affiliated with Drain, um, you might be uh, uh, getting a shift here pretty soon. So I, my shift is uh, Friday morning <laughs> from 8 a.m. to 8 a.m. So but yeah, I'm just we're just all super happy that the surgery went good, that Mrs. Parker's doing good and Tawny is is doing good. So that's excellent news. Couldn't be happier for her, for you guys, the entire drain family. Uh, you guys have been tested. Uh, you know, God's put some obstacles out there for you guys, but you guys have uh, powered through. Um, you guys are doing great things. Devin is still one of my closest friends. We don't get to talk as much as we'd like to, but you know, every now and then we, uh, we get together, share some stories and such. So, uh, I just, I, I have a tremendous respect for the drain family. I think there's a lot of people out there that do a lot of people that played under Mr. Drain. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Drain is uh, definitely one of a kind. She is, uh, has a permanent smile on her face and is always so friendly. I told Devin, I remember when she was uh, doing, when we were seniors and her and my mom doing a, a pie auction and teasing, you know, embarrassing Devin and I, which they love to do. And uh, just, just so many memories, Ed. Uh, have an opportunity to coach you to, uh, you know, just see you grow up. Uh, as a cancer survivor, some, you're somebody that is truly inspiring to a lot of people I know. I'm just really happy to see all the things you've achieved, uh, recently getting married. I mean, and, and now your sister, Tawny, uh, you know, with the year we've had in 2020, to finally hear some good news uh, is definitely something everyone listening to this program can appreciate. So I'm extremely happy for all you guys, all the Drain family, uh, you know what, and it's uh I don't know. I can't say enough about you guys, Ed. You guys are special people. <laughs> I mean, we, we really appreciate that for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think we just, we just, we're just lucky to have, uh, our, we're lucky that our parents are who they are, you know, mm -hmm. you know, I think God gives challenges to people based on what he knows they can handle or, you know, he allows them to be challenged in ways. And, you know, I don't, I think, you know, if it wasn't my dad, if my dad wasn't who he was, he wouldn't have been, uh, been able to handle it. Or maybe another dad somewhere, I don't know. But my mom, my parents were definitely the right people for the job, I guess you could say. <laughs> very, very well said, Ed. Well, Eddie, I appreciate you coming on here onto the program. It's been so much fun catching up to, you know, tell your story and also to tell more stories of, of just – 
you know, the, the drain family resilience, you know, and just doing great things. Uh, Mr. Drain was, was my coach forever and uh, plenty of memories there having a, having a good friend in, in your brother, Devin. And then obviously the stories uh, with you and your family, Ed, I just can't say it enough. Really appreciate you coming on. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun talking with you, man. Yeah, this, this was, this was great. I feel like uh, we can go on for another hour, but uh, you know, <laughs> Definitely. I think, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot more we can talk about and to, and get to for sure. Uh, and, and you know what, uh, we'll, we'll have to have you back on to, cause, cause what usually happens is every time someone comes off the air, they're like, they text me a day or so later. Oh yeah. We forgot to talk about this or I'll text them. Same thing. So, uh, we'll have you back on Ed, and I'm sure you have plenty more to, to talk with us about and just, you know, Hey, good luck with the teaching and, and wherever else God leads you, man. I know you're going to do great things. Yeah, thank you, and uh, make sure you uh, you get Brother Dave on here before you get uh, Devin or I to come back. Otherwise, you know Dave might have <laughs> voice words for you. <laughs> I I can't wait. We gotta we gotta talk to our uh, our producers here and, and see if we can make that happen. I I think uh, you know what we we went uh, oldest to youngest. It's definitely time for the uh, the the uh, Dave Drain, the one and only, to come on here and to really uh, just. <laughs> have all his one-liners out all he he doesn't need he doesn't need much of an audience it's fitting yeah he 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 will take the reins and run with it just you know he he, he's great (laughs) he is definitely the life of the drain uh party here (laughs) (laughs) i don't doubt it for a second well yeah tell him he's more than welcome i'll reach out to him and and we'll make it happen so can't wait to uh talk with him thanks again and it was so much fun man thank you matt pleasure Big thank you to Eddie Drain. Thanks for sharing your story. It was a lot of fun catching up. Going down memory lane. My best to you and the Drain family. That's great news with uh, your sister, Tawny. Uh, can't wait to uh, see her, her progress and uh, just the entire family, man. Devin and Mr. and Mrs. Drain, Dave, Colleen, you're all special people. Nothing, wishing you all nothing but the best as we move forward here. And Ed, thanks again for uh, sharing uh, so many fun memories with me today. That was just a lot of fun. Well, guys, tomorrow is going to be a very different show. That's all I can say. I'm not going to give too much away. I'm just going to tell you that it's a little mysterious, a little backwards, a little odd, a little... uh, There's just going to be some changes, so be sure to tune in. It's a mystery guest. There will be someone else on the program, but uh, I can't tell you much more than that. It's a long show. But be sure to tune in tomorrow. It's a Friday. Sometimes we do some funny things on Fridays. And I just want you guys to, uh, you know, be ready for anything tomorrow. That's all I can say on our Friday episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. Whatever we end up doing, we will get around third and home safely for the weekend. That's the plan. Uh, If you've been a listener to this program, I think you'll like it. Again, it's something different. So stay tuned tomorrow for our latest episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. As always, guys, you can follow the Get Home Safe podcast through many different platforms. We appreciate the the listenership through the various platforms uh, on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen. We appreciate it. We have many different social media platforms. Uh, Twitter, our our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. One feature that I've been promoting all week, and I'm going to keep saying it, uh, just uh, bother all of you who've had to listen to this all week, is that if you want to leave a voice message on our program, 
you can do so through the Anchor app or anchor.fm. Go on there, go to our podcast, Get Home Safe Podcast. You can click on a turquoise button that says messages on it. You click on there, you record your voice, you record a question, a comment, a suggestion about content, anything you want to do, 10 seconds, 20 seconds, a minute long, however long it is, say say your two cents, four cents, five cents, whatever you want to leave, uh, leave a voice message. I will then put that on the air uh, with, a, with a, a clip, sound clip, and then I will answer the question or the content or, or whatever it is. And we can just uh, stimulate some conversation that way. It also includes our listeners on the program so that they can uh, take part and be a part of the action. We don't have, uh, we don't do this live, so we don't have a, a call-in show, but it's uh, it's kind of a way to do that and, and leave a quick uh, message and just get uh, ask me my thoughts or give your two cents like I said on a, any subject you want we can play it and, and start some conversation so if you'd like to if you're interested no pressure but uh, for those who'd like to please uh, take part in it I think it would be a great way uh, to uh, have some discussion and for our program to maybe uh, take a few steps forward again the fight this weekend for those of you who are not interested sorry you're going to have to hear it again big UFC fight this weekend uh, Kamara Usman against Jorge Masvidal. Cannot wait for it. Uh, just an incredible, incredible matchup. Uh, they do not like each other. Let me tell you that right now. They absolutely despise each other. They've had uh, some shouting matches in some uh, uh, different events and different things. That's before even that they were paired up to fight. So a lot of intriguing things are going to happen on Saturday night. I know not everyone here is a fight fan, a UFC fan, but I can promise you there'll be some drama. There will definitely be some violence, and I really hope the fight lives up to all of the uh, the storylines and the buildup because so many times uh, it, it doesn't. But So I hope it will this weekend on Fight Island. Dana White, God bless you. Thank you for putting together a great fight card with three title fights and also the main event, Kamaru Usman and Jorge Masvidal. Going to be a lot of fun. I'm mentioning it tonight because I don't know if I'm going to have an opportunity on the show on Friday. Just so, so you guys know, you know, like I said, we're doing some different things on Friday. So be prepared for anything on Friday, guys. And no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.